Spectral technique. Special technique of shadow boxing. Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? You are here live, and this is the Boxing Source Radio Show. I am your host, James Bell, the boxing analyst for the Cohort Truth on Sports and the leader of the Boxing Source on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, the Boxing Source, on Instagram, the Boxing Source, and on Twitter, search for the Boxing Source or boxing source two number to dial in is three four seven two three seven five five three nine once again that is three four seven two three seven five five three nine press the one key to get on cue and you'll be able to talk live on the show uh we got about a uh, one hour uh segment that we're going to try to do here um talking about you know the action that Went down over the weekend. I had a few um, title fights that did happen. Um, <clears throat> you had a, a main event uh, that was on uh, Friday night uh, that was seen on ESPN. And also we had action on Saturday within the middleweight division, uh, which will be the focus or the main topic of today's show is uh, what happened in the middleweight division and the state of the middleweight division. But uh, we want to, you know, get things started off with uh, what happened in the lightweight division as you had Richard Comey taking on Raimundo Beltran uh, that was on Friday on ESPN, and this was for the IBF version of the lightweight title. Um, We know about the situation with the WBC version of the lightweight title as Unified champion Vasil Lomachenko, uh, you know, will be squaring off against Luke Campbell. Uh, that's supposed to be scheduled for August. Uh, so we're going to uh, be seeing that um, later on in the summer. Uh, and then, like I said, you have Richard Comey, um, you know, taking on Raimundo Beltran. And, uh, you know, that, that was, you know, basically a, a fight we had, like I said, a former uh, WBO champion Ray Beltran 
you know, he was able to win the world title, but eventually uh, lost it in his uh, first defense of that title. Uh, so this was like his second go-round to try to win a world title against Richard Comey. And uh, we know that Comey was able to win this IVF belt um, that was uh, vacated um, beforehand. So uh, he was uh, going ahead to try to make his first defense of that um, belt. And this one had, you know, some action uh, in the first round, it was a, you know, fairly action-packed fight in a few spurts uh, that they had out there. Um, so, you know, in the first round, you basically saw Richard Comey being the aggressor right off the bat, coming forward against Ray Beltran and catching him off guard uh, really quickly. And uh, he was able to score a couple knockdowns there in the first round. And it seemed like it was going to be a, uh, you know, a very quick fight. Uh, but, you know, uh, pretty much in the, around the last minute of that first round, uh, you had Ray Beltran pretty much uh, catching up, you know, catching his win and then uh, catching uh, Richard Comey uh, when he could and kind of like threw him back uh, there for a little bit. Uh, so uh, he was able to weather – uh, the initial storm by Richard Comey there in the first round uh, before continuing on uh, there in the fight. Uh, but it pretty much was like a, a precursor uh, to what was in store for the rest of the fight. Um, of course, uh, Reed Beltran is, you know, fairly advanced in, in age, so he um, had to uh, basically – um, you know, show that either he was he still had a little bit left, or if this was you know pretty much the uh, pinnacle uh, for his career. Um, he did have his spurts where if he was able to take his time and kind of like concentrate and 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 see where Richard Comey was going, he was you know having a little bit of success, but also he had some issues uh, being there and close with Richard Comey. Uh, of course, he had a, you know, he has a knack of, you know, clashing, having head clashes uh, with a lot of his opponents. Uh, so you did, you did have that issue there with Richard Comey and Raimundo Beltran. So uh, the thing about it is that, you know, with uh, those issues that, uh, Beltran had to deal with that kind of like threw him off for a little bit as far as like uh, messing around with his concentration and uh, focusing on what Richard Comey was going to do there in the ring. Uh, but, you know, for me, I mean, I, I just saw this particular fight as, you know, something where Richard Comey would, you know, have a fairly notable um, opponent on his record. Uh, if he was able to, you know, handle business and take care of business. And, you know, like I said, on multiple you know, occasions there, you had uh, Raimundo Beltran pretty much in trouble. Uh, but, you know, like he, he was able to, uh, one way or another, uh, find his way uh, through this, uh, you know, through those rounds and, and kind of like have something to throw a Richard Comey 
um, to kind of, you know, stay in the fight of uh, some sort. Uh, but, you know, uh, later later on down in the fight, you kind of like seeing that there was a major uh, slowdown within Raimundo Beltran. And, you know, it was uh, something where he just uh, couldn't, you know, keep up with the constant pressure uh, that Richard Comey had up against him. And so um, going into those uh, later rounds, like in round five, uh, you know, um, Richard Comey scored another knockdown in round five. And uh, Beltran was able to get up from that. Uh, but, you know, like I said, that was kind of like the precursor to uh, what was uh, happening or going to happen uh, later on uh, there in the fight. Uh, so um, what you had there was, you know, a case of, um, you know, Ray Beltran just, you know, not being able to handle the overall pressure of Richard Comey. Um, and he eventually got broke down. And in round eight, Richard Comey scored another knockdown. And um, you had Ray Beltran. Uh, he was able to, you know, get up from that and got a standing gate count from the referee uh, there. Um, and the referee was checking on uh, Ray Beltran. And, you know, he was up and he kind of like seemed like he was okay. Uh, but, you know, the referee, you know, had seen the amount of punishment that Ray Beltran was uh, taking over the course of the fight, and he made the decision to stop the fight and, you know, under uh, the rules uh, there in the state of California, it was awarded a KO victory for Richard Comey, and he defends that IBF lightweight title uh, there and moves to 29 wins and two losses with 26 of those wins coming by knockout or technical knockout. And uh, for Ray Beltran, that is ninth loss of his professional career. Um, and, you know, like I said, I mean, he, you know, seemed like he had a couple of times where he was game, but it only happened when, you know, he was in uh, some fair trouble uh, there against Richard Comey. So, you uh, you know, you probably see that's the last we'll probably see him as a, um, you know, a uh, serious competitor uh, there in the lightweight division. Um, you know, he's, you know, been a tough fighter uh, for, you know, a long time, uh, for, you know, many years or so. But, you know, in, in this particular case, he just uh, couldn't stop the you know, onslaught that was uh, taking place there from Richard Comey. And so uh, for Comey, uh, he keeps that title. Um, he's, you know, looking ahead to a potential fight with uh, lightweight contender Teofimo Lopez. And, you know, uh, that, you know, that particular fight, uh, would be a very action-packed fight. Of course, uh, Teofimo Lopez is, um, you know, one of the hottest um, fighters there in the lightweight division or in those divisions that are, you know, under uh, 140 pounds. 
um, so that, you know, we're going to see if they do uh, make that fight, then that will be Teofimo Lopez's first chance to win a world title. And, you know, they're kind of like trying to arrange things there in the lightweight division so that you may have an undisputed lightweight champion either by the end of this year or pretty much by the first quarter of next year. Um, you know, like I was mentioning before, you have, um, you know, WBO and WBA lightweight champion Vasil trying to go after the vacant WBC lightweight title against Luke Campbell uh, later this summer. And you have the IBF champion there and Richard Comey. Um, you know, going later on down the line, going to be fighting Teofimo Lopez. Uh, Teofimo uh, gets through his next fight, which is uh, coming up within, I think, within a month or um, probably about six weeks from now. Uh, so that is kind of like the um, situation uh, there within the lightweight division uh, right now. Um you know, for Comey, I mean, this is, you know, I think it's a pretty good achievement for Comey here, uh, being able to, you know, first of all, you know, win the uh, lightweight title, uh, number one, and then, uh, you know, number two, being able to defend that lightweight title, um, you know, here in his uh, first defense of that IBF version of the lightweight title. Um, and so, you know, my thing is, is that if that, you know, gets him to be lined up with a uh, fairly good uh, main event uh, that'll happen uh, there with Teofimo Lopez, that's pr pretty much going to be a uh, fairly um, well-attended, you know, I would say, um, you know, I'd say, I, I'd say it's a, uh, well attended and um i would say well uh, uh, excuse me a very competitive fight uh so that's something there that i'm kind of like looking towards is to see how uh, richard comey is there going to be um against teofimo lopez of course you know teofimo lopez has that very good combination of speed and power are there in the lightweight division um and that you know it was able to you know he's able to put both of those things together to you know come up with uh very good uh and spectacular knockouts in a good number of his previous fights so i'm kind of like looking forward to seeing uh what teofimo lopez would be able to do here against this uh veteran in uh richard comey so that you know, we'll be able to see if he'll be, uh, Lopez will be able to win his first world championship or if Richard Comey is able to uh, score the win there. Um, you know, for other things that I'm like kind of like looking into, uh, there is, you know, uh, what I would say is, like, you know, what happened also on Saturday as, you know, we had, you know, two uh, fights that were there in the middleweight division. 
in two fights that, you know, were kind of fairly significant with uh, top fighters uh, there in the middleweight division. Uh, the, first, the first fight that I'm going to kind of like focus on is the fight between Demetrius Andre and Masi Selecki uh, for the WBO version of the middleweight title. Of course, you have uh, Andre that uh, was able to uh, win the WBO middleweight title uh, after it was, you know, basically vacated last year. Uh, he did have one defense earlier this year against Archer Akavov and was able to get a, a TKO victory there. Um, and, and here he went on ahead to face Masi Selecki. Uh, Selecki, who had been a guy that had, you know, challenged other uh, top uh, middleweights out there, um, including Daniel Jacobs uh, there. And then um, and that that fight was last April over at the Barclays Center between Jacobs and Selecki. Uh, he lost that fight by a unanimous decision. Uh, got floored late in that fight. Um, he was, you know, fairly competitive for most of those rounds, uh, but, um, you know, Jacobs ended up being a better fighter in that one and, uh, you know, just ended up uh, getting that decision victory uh, to defeat Machi Selecki. Uh, later on down um, – in Selecki's career, uh, particularly this year, uh, in March 15th over in uh, Philadelphia, he fought Gabe Rosado um, in pretty much a hometown type of fight for Gabe Rosado. Um, he was, you know, the better boxer in this particular fight. Um, and he, you know, also had, like, the power um, behind his punches. Of course, Gabe Rosado had been in a lot of wars um, and, you know, had the record that pretty much showed that, you know, he he had his, you know, good number of shortcomings. But um, in the late portions of those fights, you know, Selecki ended up being down on the canvas um, in round nine. And it was, you know, almost a uh, shocking comeback victory for Gabe Rosado. But Selecki was able to uh, get past that get the decision win and, and position himself to challenge Demetrius Andre for the WBO middleweight title. Um, and, you know, with this, this particular fight, you know, it's just uh, Andre, you know, trying to stay busy uh, for me until he positions himself to either get a fight for um, the, you know, unified middleweight titles or undisputed middleweight t uh, titles or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I'll be able to get into a more detail about that a little bit later. Um, but uh, the thing about it is, is that, I mean, for me, you know, I kind of like see um, Demetrius Andrade as a guy that, you know, doesn't really kind of like do things very impressively. That that's kind of like in his uh, moniker or his mo, uh, especially with him moving up to the middleweight division. He had been a uh, you know previous champion over in the junior middleweight or super welterweight divisions, 
uh, but didn't necessarily have the kind of like the career-defining fight or the big fight that would kind of like define him against, um, you know, other guys that were like top contenders there in the uh, middleweight division. Or, I mean, excuse me, the super welterweight division, that is. Um, so, you know, my thing about it was that, you know, here against Masip Selecki, it was just uh, something where he could, you know, stay busy or keep busy um, until, you know, he he got positioned himself for a big fight. He had been talking about, you know, going up against Canelo Alvarez um, later on, uh, later this year. Um, of course, there is that uh, date of September that Canelo usually, you know, has his fight. Um, but, you know, for Demetrius Andrade, he wanted to, you know, kind of like make his name and kind of like stamp it for um, him to see if he'll be the, be the, um, unified middleweight champion and kind of like say that he is the best middleweight uh, that's out there. Um, and, you know, we had his, uh, he had his couple of instances where uh, he would be uh, showcasing uh, his overall skills. But, um, you know, against Masi Select, he, uh, you know, for me, I, I just think that, you know, he had that, you know, that first round knockdown, and it, all, and it looked like this was going to uh, type of fight, like his fight against Walter Carlson Dakwa, uh for, at the time, the vacant WBO title. Um, but he went on ahead and, and did the whole little – trying to impress through the boxing skills and everything like that and ended up getting a shutout unanimous decision, one twenty to one oh seven to keep that WBO title. Um, you know, for me that was what what I got out of it. He just was in there to get some rounds in and and say that it say it's me again one more time. And and that's what I got out of that fight, uh there. Uh, we got a caller in here from the six four six. Tell us your name, where you're calling from. Yo, what's good, Jay Hart? This is Matt from the Bronx. You already know what it is, man. Um, I'm trying to figure out, like, what's next for Charlo and for Andrade. Um, I heard you talking about Andrade's performance against the Lucky. I, I thought uh, Andrade did pretty good, you know. I, he wasn't exciting. He's never exciting, but I didn't think he was boring. He did what he had to do. He shut him out. He made him look like an amateur, basically. Um, and Suleki, I guess, was decently regarded by some boxing fans. So it was it was good to see Andre get a, a victory against decent competition. Now, on Charlo, I, I see the narrative is Charlo somehow struggled, even though he won just about every round, but he somehow struggled, I guess, because he didn't get the knockout. But, um... Both guys want to fight Canelo or Triple G. It seems Canelo and Triple G are not interested in fighting them. So what do you think is next for for each guy? Well, I mean, for me, um, you know, I was, yeah, talking about the thing with uh, Demetrius Andrade. 
uh, getting his win over Masi Selecki. And, you know, I I see him wanting to try to go after Canelo Alvarez in September. He, you know, he says he would have you know, probably get himself to be ready by that time. Um, and so he would, you know, want to try to say that, yo, I want to be in that position to, you know, fight for the unified titles and such. But as you did uh, kind of like Kenneth uh, with uh, Jamal, uh, Jamal Charlo, he ended up uh, getting the win over Brandon Adams. And uh, apparently that particular instance, you had Jamal Charlo being named the WBC middleweight champion. And, you know, for some people that, you know, of course, they would have probably known by now, but it's like, wait a minute. How is Jamal Charlo the WBC middleweight champion? Well, because the WBC (laughs) announced that Saul Canelo Alvarez, a.k.a. El Campeon, (laughs) is not the WBC middleweight champion. No, 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 no. Not just the middleweight champion. He is the WBC franchise middleweight champion. You like franchise? What is this? Like Shane Douglas or something? Like what's going on here? So, so I guess you have a what is it? Like your you have a WBC diamond champion, and now you have a WBC franchise champion. And Canelo Alvarez for the middleweight division is the WBC franchise champion. What are your quick thoughts about that there, uh, Matt? Uh, Honestly, I wasn't expecting to be blindsided by this WBC slander uh, on on your part, man. Um, I think what really happened is the WBC mandatory was going to get called because, you know, Charlo as interim champion is a de facto mandatory for Canelo, I think Canelo yeah. really showed no interest in fighting him. So I think what really happened is the WBC stripped Canelo of the middleweight title, but they didn't want to embarrass Canelo publicly, so they came up with this like honorary declaration so that Canelo could save face publicly. That's what I really think happened. Well, I mean, what about, you know, him, you know, being a franchise champion? Does that still mean that he has to pay fees to the WBC for holding that franchise belt? Well, here is, well, it's not, it's not really a belt. Here, here, here's what they said about uh, the franchise champion. They said that he is going to be required uh, he's going to be required to do like I think like two charity events per year for them um, basically the designation is not transferable to any fighter and it's only exclusive to the fighter that receives it meaning that if you beat Canelo you don't become the franchise champion um, <clears throat> also 
the franchise champion will be designated as the WBC Emeritus Champion once he retires from boxing. The franchise champion will proudly represent the WBC in every single fight as a reigning WBC champion, and this is regardless of any specific conditions or titles being associated with all future fights. So basically, Canelo's champion for life. Um, Pretty much, yep. Yeah, the WBC will approve through the franchise champion promoter every opponent scheduled to fight. So basically, um, anyone Canelo wants to fight, it has to get run by the WBC first. Um, yeah, this is um, uh, very interesting. <laughs> So they, I mean, you know, kind of like the way that you explained it is that, you know, you know how, like you said, in reference to uh, Canelo having to adhere to the uh, uh, rules and such of the uh, WBC uh, as his champion, and that, you know, like you were saying, uh, he, he would have probably been due the uh, mandatory uh, since you know, he had been the WBC champion oh, pretty much since, um, you know, I would say, what, September or so last year or whatever it is. Um, yeah. So, you know, he had that pretty much time of 12 months that was going to be coming up where uh, he would have to make that defense of the uh, WBC uh, middleweight championship. Uh, so... Uh, you know, like you were saying, I mean, that that pretty much should probably cover it. I mean, either you'd be like, you know what, either, you know, I'm not going to be the champion. I'm going to move up, which was uh, one of the um, supposed suggestions it was that he would, in September, uh, go ahead and move up to face Callum Smith for Callum Smith's WBA Super Championship uh, instead of, you know, keeping the uh, WBC middleweight champion or whatever it is, or I don't know, man, maybe, maybe they would have, maybe they would have went the Floyd Mayweather route and (laughs) made him a double champion (laughs) in two different (laughs) divisions at the same time. Well, he could be a champion in any division he wants. Uh, 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 One interesting thing to know about this, uh, well, two interesting things. It says that, um, if the franchise champion goes to another division and beats the WBC champion in that division, then the title becomes vacant for another contender. And they also said um, that if the franchise champion loses, the winner automatically becomes the mandatory for whoever the champion is in that division. Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of like a, uh, you know, weird set of, you know, weird set of events, weird set of circumstances uh, for, you know, that particular instance. It's almost like, you know, you know, like you were saying in reference to you know, Canelo, it's pretty much like a, <clears throat> what it would be like a champion, a merited status or whatever it is. Yeah. He's champion for life in every division. So, if he wanted to fight Deontay Wilder right now, they would sanction it. Basically, it's like 
I, I don't know what to say, man. I really don't. I like Canelo. You know, that's my guy. I like the right. WBC. But uh, this is uh, it's pretty... Uh, it's, it's indefensible on its face because I don't like the lying to the public thing. Just say Canelo didn't want to make his mandatory against Charlo and you guys stripped him. Just say it. Like, we know, we know what yeah. it is. He's not you know what the situation Charlo. is. Yeah. It, it's, to me, it's bad for Charlo because he was entitled to that 45% curse split. And now he's not going to get that. And he, uh, 45% against Canelo, it would be the biggest payday that he'll probably have for his entire career. And now yeah. he's not going to get that anymore. So I feel terrible for Charlo because not only does he miss out on that payday, because people are like hate the PBC so much and they hate the WBC so much, it's like they don't understand that Charlo actually got screwed out of this, but yet they're basically saying that Charlo's not a real champion. No, he is a real champion. The champion didn't want to fight him. He was interim, and he got stripped. But no one is framing it that way. They're framing it as if Charlo was gifted a, a, a championship that he didn't deserve. Like, I don't get it. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that they were talking about, you know, the whole situation of him moving up and, and facing who he fought. Uh, but, you know, either way, he was the former, you know, champion. So all he did was basically, you know, move up and and, and uh, get that opportunity. And that's pretty much, uh, you know, what it was. So that's kind of like how they framed it. Um and, you know, that's what, you know, and that's the situation with the WBC rules. It's pretty much the same with, you know, all of the other organizations. Like, you know, we just, you know, we'll talk about the, you know, situation with Alexander Usyk. Uh, with him, you know, being the former undisputed cruiserweight champion, uh, he, you know, made his announcement to move up the middle, I mean, middleweight heavyweight. And, um, you know, that kind of like got him to the spot where he'll be able to fight uh, for, the WBO championship if he, you know, wanted to. So that's kind of like what I got out of that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a shame for Charlo, though, man. Um, I mean, you would hope he gets a big fight. I don't see it. I I, I was looking at the uh, middleweight rankings for the WBC because you know they're going to end up naming a mandatory soon. Now that uh, Canelo isn't champion, they're actually probably going to call the mandatory. So looking at the at the mandatory situation, you got Golovkin ranked number one. He's not going to fight Charlo. They already ordered Golovkin like I think two times to fight yeah, Charlo, and he turned it down. Yeah, inside. they already ordered that. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Danny Jacobs is probably not going to fight Charlo because he's talking about moving up in weight. So the next up in the rankings is some guy named Camille uh, Severmeta. Uh, <laughs> yeah, some, who, something. Who is that guy? I, I've never heard of him. <laughs> you know, so even if he is a good fighter, because no one over here has ever heard of him, guess what? It's not going to be a, a big money fight. 
Apparently, he is a Polish fighter, which I guess is good because maybe you can attract some people in New York uh, with a Polish fighter. He's 19 and 0, but he only has four knockouts, no power. Like, come on, man. This guy, he's the EBU middleweight champion. Uh, it's just nothing to talk yeah. about. You know, Derevyachenko has no reason to fight Charlo because he is of an IBF mandatory. So he really has no reason to fight Charlo. He can wait for the IBF to call his mandatory and hopefully Canelo, you know, fights him, you know. And then who, Jason Quigley, who cares? Stephen Butler, who? Estivier Falcao, who? Louis Arias, <laughs> boring. Hassan Adam, boring. Liam well, Williams, he done already got Warren. one. <laughs> yeah. You know, he has nobody to fight. Hey, no, Like, literally nobody to fight that's going to make him money. So, honestly, I think... I think maybe Al has to maybe see if he can get a guaranteed deal from the zone for a couple fights. Maybe get like a, a, a guaranteed maybe ten million dollar fight deal with the zone and maybe the zone will let him fight one of the middleweights. But even that Yeah, but Jimmy I mean the thing about it is though is um the only thing is though is that didn't didn't they already have like well, no, not really through the zone though. They had an offer through Matchroom. Yeah. Basically fight. Um under Matchroom, and yeah, but, you know, well, that who kind of thing. with Matchroom? Well, what has what Hearn done for Demetrius Andrade? Andrade can't get a fight either. Not only is he with Matchroom, he's on the zone. The zone has the cash cow middleweight, and even he can't get a fight. So it's like, well, what the hell is going on in the middleweight division? You know, people talk about the welterweight, people talk about the heavyweight, but to me, the two divisions where these guys at the top need to fight each other, middleweight and light heavyweight, and they're not fighting each other. Yeah, it's 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 a bad situation there uh, with the middleweight division um, out there because, you know, like you were saying, I mean, you got you got like everybody there that's available, you know, that would be they're ready to fight each other, but they're not fighting each other, and that's a problem. You know, so yeah, I'm like I don't, I don't understand, you know, why it, it, it's kind of like, you know, to that situation there. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's what I got out of that. Um, thinking I came in a little bit after I talked about the uh, lightweight uh, title fight that happened between Richard Comey and Ray Beltran, and I pretty much said that it's basically the end of the line for Ray Beltran after uh, him, you know, losing that fight. Uh, by knockout uh, to Richard Comey, where he got floored multiple times, moved like four times uh, there yeah. over eight rounds, you know. And so, you know, you got uh, Comey that's pretty much being positioned to fight Teofimo Lopez uh, later on this year um, with uh, Lopez having a fight uh, coming up within the next six weeks or so uh, before uh, he could be, you know, positioned to fight for that idea of Lightweight title. So, um, what are your thoughts about Comey, though, in general? 
Uh, I think he's a good fighter, decent power. You know, some people thought that he beat Robert Easter. You know, um, actually, a lot of people thought that he beat Robert Easter. I wasn't one of them. I thought that the fight uh, could have went either way. I wasn't mad that Easter got the decision. Um, he's a good fighter, good power. I don't think he has anything for my man Teofimo Lopez. You know, uh, let's just see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's just wait and see what he does. Um, hopefully, he can draw some type of fans. He actually lives in the Bronx, which is, is pretty funny. He actually lives not too far from me. I haven't seen him in a while, though. But um, I'm interested to see if he is going to fight Teofimo Lopez. You know, or if he's going to try to uh, maybe get an exemption, fight someone else, because he didn't seem like he wanted to fight Lopez uh, when they broached him about it before. And then you saw basically Aram lobby the IBS to get Lopez in the final eliminator. So does he want yeah. to fight Lopez? We're going to have to see. You know, I, I don't know. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either because it was almost like, you know, at first they wanted to put Richard Comey there in the ring against Vasilomachenko, but, you know, right after Comey won the IBF title, he had an uh, injury, so they couldn't really, you know, position that particular fight that happened. Um, you know, it was supposed to happen around April, I think it was. Um, but, you know, other than that, you know, they kind of just wanted to see if, they could, you know, have uh, Comey have one fight once he, you know, got back from his injury and recovered yeah. from that. And then, you know, the next time over, he would just, um, you know, he would just uh, be able to just fight for that, um, the unified championship uh, out there. So that's kind of like how they, you know, position uh, this thing here in the in the lightweight division. Um, you know, that. You know, that kind of like, uh, you know, covered most of the things that, you know, I wanted to talk about. Of course, you had the fights that were on Sunday where you had, you know, El Chacal, the Jackal, Guillermo Rigondeaux against Julio Ceja and Jamal Charlo against Jorge Cota. And, yeah. you know, Rigondeaux, you know, Rigondeaux had a pretty uh, action-packed fight there against uh, Julio Ceja. And, 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 and what what kind of surprised me, was some of the reactions after that fight were saying, like, okay, uh, now it seems like Guillermo Rigginow is really slowed down because he yeah. isn't, you know, he wasn't that defensive in this particular fight. And, you know, at, at least, you know, then, you know, while we're, you know, live while watching the fight, you were like, nah, this is kind of like, you know, a different type of approach from yeah. Guillermo Rigginow to kind of like make things more, you know, action-packed so that more people would be interested in seeing them fight later on down the yep. line. And also, you know, having other fighters being interested in fighting them because, you know, maybe, you know, they would have the idea that he is slowing down a little bit or whatever it is. Um, you know, so that's kind of, you know, what I, what I was getting, uh, from this particular fight that he had against Julio Ceja, and, you know, we just caught him with that one punch and put him down to the canvas, and, you know, that was pretty much it, but, you know, yeah. I just, you know, felt that was a, you know, better fight than, you know, people pretty much expected it to be. Yeah, but regarding y'all can't win with the boxing public, man. 
I'm telling you, Bob Arum and Dan Rayfield really ruined this man's career. And I don't, honestly, I don't think he can recover from it. You know, like, people were saying his legs are shot. Oh, look, he's got a hit. If he wants to fight, he wasn't trying to move. He literally, as soon as the round started, got in the middle of the ring. Let's go. Let's go toe-to-toe. He wasn't even trying to move. So I don't know how anyone can right. get his legs a shot when he didn't try to use his legs. He, stylistically, you can see he wanted to fight differently. He wanted to go toe-to-toe. He probably knew that he was the hardest, sharper puncher, and eventually he was going to get that guy the hell out of there. Now, I didn't really care for the stoppage. I thought it was a British stoppage. But you know what? Yeah. It is what it is. He got the stoppage. He won the fight. And now he moves on to fight Ray Vargas. Yeah, that's going to be, um, you know, that's going to be, you know, a fight of sorts that, you know, we're pro- that I'm kind of interested in. But I, I would be, like, I would want to see, like, how that fight, you know, basically turns out because, you know, Ray Vargas is, you know, a very, like, a very rangy, you know, kind of like fighter for that particular weight class. And yeah. I'd like to see how, you know, Rigging out would approach that particular fight, you know, um, as as this uh, as this one here. It might be like a little bit different than, you know, what he did against. If, if I'm, if I'm against Ray Vargas, I would do the same thing against Ray Vargas that I did against Seha. Try to fight the fight toe to toe because he has shorter arms than Ray Vargas, and Ray Vargas ain't really got a chin like that either. So to me, if Rigondeau was to really just like go toe to toe, fight him on the inside, I think Rigondeau to get him the hell up out of there too. Yeah, yeah, I would, yeah, I would try to you know do that too against Ray Vargas. Just get him, get him in the in the in the in the in the um you know I would say the in the nitty gritty and yeah, make it man. a. Uh, Dirty type of fight or whatever it is, so you know that would kind of you know try to like get see how tough Ray Vargas is, you know. Yeah. If he's able to do that and you know make uh, Vargas, um, you know, I would say, you know, go after it. Then why not challenge him? You know, I would say. So I, I just go ahead and and go for that. Uh, if I was Guillermo Rigondeaux uh, facing yeah. Ray Vargas out there um so um that's you know that's what i got on on that uh potential fight there um for those listening in on blog talk radio live uh, if you want to get in on the boxing talk you could call in at 347-237-5539 once again that's 347-237-5539 and you'll be able to talk live on the show um Pretty much don't have uh, much going on uh, this coming Saturday. Everything is uh, that next weekend. Uh, you do have yeah. a Rob Brent going up against Ryota Murata. Uh, you got Shakur Stevenson uh, over in New Jersey going to be facing a replacement opponent, Franklin Manzanilla. Um, yeah. You got, uh, of course, uh, one heavyweight fight that Wait, you know the number of people are talking about. Franklin Manzanilla. Isn't that the guy that fought Vargas um, in February that put Vargas down in the second round? Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, that's interesting. So he's moving up to 126 to fight Shakur. Okay. Uh, well, I fight. mean, that, yeah, that, that, that's, that, that, that's what they got. They he got good in power, there, though. He got good power, though. Yeah. The dude got, like, I think he has, like, 18 wins and 17 knockouts. So he does have mm-hmm. good power, and he was able to to put Vargas on his ass. You know, let's let's see if he could, you know, give Shakur a little bit of run. Yeah, I'd be interested to seeing if he could, you know, do that. Um know myself so that you know we'll see uh what what he would be able to do um against uh Shakur Stevenson. Of course, you know, Stevenson is, you know, very, very excited about it and looking forward to this particular fight. So, um, you know, that's what you know, I'm basically getting off of this up here is that, you know, he just wants to go ahead and be in his hometown and, you know, kinda like uh showcase his skills and everything like that. So yeah. that's what I kind of like get out of this fight. It's a lot of fights that weekend, though, man. Uh, you got Du Bois versus Gorman for the British heavyweight title. That's going to be crazy. You got my guy Joe Joyce against Brian Jennings. And then, of course, you got uh, uh, Robert Hellenius versus uh, Gerald Washington. <laughs> I think Ray Vargas is fighting that weekend, too, against uh, Kamita. So, it's a big fight weekend, you know, the 12th and the 13th. Yeah, yeah, those two days are, you know, fairly active uh, there in the sport of boxing. So, that's kind of like um, what I'm kind of like seeing and, and looking forward to um, there for that weekend. But, you know, the this uh, coming weekend here on the 6th is uh, – you know, not Ubali. really. Yeah, it's just absolutely yeah, nothing yeah. there. Ubali must that's be like, blowing away, bro, in Kazakhstan. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty much it. Yeah, but what, what exactly. the hell is going on with Canelo, man? Who is Canelo going to fight? It, it's so... You, you got... Is he going to fight Triple D? Is he going to fight uh, Sergio Kovalev? We know he's not going to fight Calvin Smith. We know that, because... Oscar and Eddie was going at each other this past weekend, so that's not going to happen. But who, who, who is Canelo going to fight? Oh, uh, man, I do not know. I mean, I thought it would have been Callum Smith initially, you know, once, um, you know, Canelo uh, had his win over Daniel Jacobs. Uh, but, you know, after that, they kind of, like, switched up and everything, and they were talking about this whole thing about uh, him fighting Sergey Kovalev. And so, you know, right now it kind of like looks like um, that Sergey Kovalev fight is is uh, more likely because you know the thing with uh, Gennady Golovkin, he's pretty much said that you know if I'm fighting if I'm fighting Canelo again, it ain't gonna be in Vegas. It ain't gonna be in Vegas, man. He's well, like, nah. he ain't yep. Canelo then. Yeah, so he ain't fighting Canelo, right? Yeah. So that's what you you know pretty much have. Uh, on that, and so uh, that's what I'm pretty much uh, getting off of. You know what, you know Canelo's actions are. Is that I want to see him fight Kovalev, man. I want to see him fight Kovalev so bad because honestly, I think he beats him. I think yeah, I he think beats he, him. him. Yeah, right now at this stage, I think he beats uh, Kovalev too. I don't think um, you know the uh, things that. 
Kovalev uh, had to have uh, Madrida as his trainer. I don't think that would be enough for him uh, yeah. to, you know, kind of like make a significant difference. Uh, so that's, you know, pretty much what you, you know, have off of it. Um, so that's kind of like what I see from there, man. It's just like, you know, he's going to end up fighting Kovalev. And, and yeah. if he's going to do that, then I would make that, you know, I would make that announcement sooner rather than later, you know, to kind of yeah, like help out the situation. You know? You definitely got to promote that because nobody cares about Kovalev, really. You nobody cares about Kovalev. And like, yo, like, I mean, what was that? Oh, was it, was it the, nah, that wasn't November. Was it, like, was it the, um, that Wilder, was it the Wilder Ortiz fight or the Wilder Severn fight where they had the the Kovalev fight in Madison Square Garden that same night? Uh, that was November, so it had to be Severn. No, 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 no. Was that November? Who, who did Kovalev fight? He fought um, uh, his name is Blanken. He fought another Russian guy. Yeah. He fought another Russian guy that night. It was a crap fight. I know it was on HBO, and nobody watched it. Nobody watched it. No, yeah, nobody, nobody watched it. It was uh, Shabransky. That was in, yeah, no, in November. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was later in November. Yeah, yeah. Oh, was nah, oh no, no, no. That wasn't You're it. Talking nah, about, it was you're talking about uh, Mickelin, Mickelin, the Mickelin fight. Yeah. You know McCullough. That was, that was, that was, was Falcon. Yeah. Was, you know what I'm saying. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was March. That was the Ortiz fight. Yeah, that was March. Like, yo, I'm yeah, like, that was March. the Ortiz fight. Why are you going to have an event with Sergey Kovalev over in Madison Square Garden when they got some at the Barclays Center at the same time? Come on, man. Exactly. If anything, they should have asked if they could put that fight on the undercard. Uh, nah, nah. They couldn't do that. <laughs> you think Kathy Duva was going to do that? No. Nah. Why not? Yo, these promoters need to work together, man. They need to work together because these, first of all, it's too many boxing events, man. They're going to yeah. end up oversaturating the market and, and making it less interesting. It's too many boxing events. Every promoter has their own event. It's too many events. And, and the cards that they're putting out are not worthy of spending money on. They're just not. Like, you had, why, why couldn't the Andrade and Charlo fight be on the same card? Because you have two garbage cards. At least if you would have had both of those guys on the same card, that would be a lot interesting. Maybe you could build towards having them fight each other. Now you have them two separate cards that really nobody was interested in. I know that allegedly Andre sold out uh, the Dunkin' Donuts Center with 7,000, but I've seen a Providence college basketball game. The Dunkin' Donuts Center holds like 13,000 people. So it's not a sellout for real. Maybe they sold out what they scaled the arena for, but if he could sell twelve to 13,000 tickets, I'm pretty sure they would have opened up the whole arena. So don't give me the right. sellout crap, you know? And even in Houston, I, I, Charlie would say he had a sellout. Dude, uh, you didn't have a sellout. You sold whatever the capacity that they set it for. That's not really a sellout. 
You know, mm-hmm. and, and these guys, they should be fighting on the same cards, man. It, it's just too much boxing. I love boxing, but I want to see quality cards and quality matchups, man. Yeah. Yeah, I get you, man. I feel you on that. Definitely feel you on that one. And, and yeah, that's my favorite there. July 20th, man. That Pacquiao Thurman card is the best card of the year. I'm telling you that right now. It has the the best fight, top to bottom, uh, scheduled for the whole year. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they'll work on getting more cards. You know, with uh, you know more action uh, in those and more, you know. Matchups that you know you would kind of like say, hey, um, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, semi, um, you know, I don't know who's gonna come out the winner of this fight, you know. So yeah, exactly. You know, that's what I'm pretty much getting out of it. Um, uh, but you know, that mainly like covers everything that I wanted to cover um, in this version of the Boxing Source Radio Show. So we're gonna, you know, start everything again uh, on Sunday night. Uh, to kind of like look forward to those fights that are coming up on the 12th and the 13th. Um, yeah. And so, you know, uh, just be on the lookout for, you know, any updates and things like that on the Boxing Source uh, on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram uh, there. So uh, just be on the lookout for that. Uh, big thanks to Matt from the Bronx calling into the show. Um, and like I say, at the end of every show, folks, more than boxing is hit and not get hit, not the stand and trade. On that note, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody. Bomb squad, baby. <laughs>